Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Mainly Modifieds. I'm Tom Baker, and happy to be back in the saddle for this final show of 2020 for the Mainly Modifieds podcast. And uh, we have a lot to talk about on this show. Uh, We've got a conversation about the 2021 NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour schedule And we've got a couple of voices you're going to be hearing from today. We're going to hear from C.J. Lehman, um, a modified racer from the greater Long Island area who uh, has a really interesting history and looking forward to uh, hearing from C.J. about that. Happy to finally get a chance to connect with him and talk with him. Um, And we're also going to hear from Justin Bonsignor, who won the uh, 2020 NASCAR Wheelin Modified Tour Championship. Um, So we've got a couple of uh, voices that you'll be hearing from today. And uh, again, um, things that we've kind of uh, compiled over the past a month or so. So uh, looking forward to putting this together. And we're going to have some fun here. We're going to get things started right off. Um, We come back from... Uh, A short break, we're going to hear from C.J. Lehman, and then we'll hear from Justin Bonsignor, and then we'll have some conversation later in the program about uh, both the 2021 NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour schedule, which has a few interesting changes in it, and we'll also uh, have some conversation as well about the uh, Smart Modified Tour. So we're going to get things started here in just a moment. Stay with us as Mainly Modifieds cranks up right after this. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds, and my special guest on this episode is uh, C.J. Lehman, and uh, C.J. is a driver who actually has moved around a little bit uh, in his lifetime, and uh, I was surprised to find, of course, you know, those of you who are longtime listeners of this show know that um, I was born in Oswego, New York, and now live outside Charlotte, and uh, he kind of did the reverse. He was down here first, and... uh, uh, or down here early and then went back to uh, Long Island. So um, he, I guess uh, uh, the way I understand that is uh, he would just be a Yankee as opposed to a damn Yankee because uh, 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 what I was told when I came here was that a Yankee is someone who just uh, comes by for a while and then goes back. A damn Yankee comes down and stays. So I am a proud damn Yankee um, and a Met fan, by the way. Um, you should have great sympathy on me. Um, and uh, they were good ones a long time ago. I don't have ago. much sympathy for Met fans. I'm a Jet fan. So oh, well. <laughs> much like the Mets, the Jets were good ones, too. So we can, we can remember back. Um, but anyways, uh, aside from all that, uh, CJ uh, comes from a generation of racers, um, a couple of them, actually. He is a third-gen racer, and uh, I've enjoyed getting to know him a little bit uh, off-air, so to speak, and now you're going to get to hear 
about uh, his story, and it's it's always cool to uh, remember back to days gone by, and I think when you can say that your grandfather and your grandmother were both interested in racing, um, and then your dad got into it, and then now you're into it, um, that's pretty darn cool. So without further ado, first of all, welcome to the podcast, CJ, and if you would, just um, talk about how your grandparents actually kind of got started in racing and what was that era like uh back then well first and foremost you know thanks for having me on sure um, always cool to do these little bits and pieces of media here um as far as my grandparents my grandmother from what i know was initially the one interested in racing um, you know, really? she would go to the track when she was younger with my great grandparents and stuff like that. Um, and when she got together with my grandfather, they'd, they'd go to the racetrack here and there, you know, Islip, Freeport, Riverhead, whatever other tracks were around still back in that era. Um, eventually my grandfather got hooked and decided he was going to build a car for himself and venture out and it may have been the bombers or novice right actually it turned into what was known as the street stock division um he had two cars a couple chevelles you know big bodied cars that you don't really see too much of anymore um both had mint vinyl roofs which is kind of unheard of anymore. You know, nobody nobody wants that heavy vinyl roof up top anymore nowadays. So um, my I grandfather was more about the show, though. Ah. He was bringing a show car, in a sense, to the racetrack. Didn't want to bend it up. Um, <laughs> you know, he had, some, he had some good runs in his day from what I've, I've heard, but his stuff was pristine, clean didn't tear it up right and uh then my dad came along and kind of changed that for him (laughs) okay uh so when my grandfather built the second car uh my dad i guess was of age to go out and test the waters and was kind of breaking chops that he wanted to drive so my grandfather put him in the backup car and uh from from the stories that i've heard my old man uh, bent every corner of that backup car the first night out. You know, he was he was on a mission, going to the front. You know, as as far to the front as you can go with limited experience. Right. And, uh, he was moving limits. people out of the way and bending yeah. corners up. Sure. Oh man! Now where was that? An ice slip or where? Uh yeah, I believe that was at ice slip. <laughs> I believe, I don't think my dad ever raced at Freeport. I believe when he drove my grandfather's backup car, it was for however many races at Islip Speedway. Okay. Um, Long before I was even a thought. Um, I, I wish, I wish I could have seen that, you know, growing up watching my dad race at Riverhead. I wish I could have seen the beginning stages of him running at Islip and yeah. him learning and going through the processes that I had to go through and that he taught me through. 
you know. So I'm, I'm in a different time, a different racing era, you know. I'm sure it was much the same, but also different. So um, your your grandfather kind of passed the torch to your dad, and and now when did your grandfather stop racing and and tell me uh, when when did your dad start give us an idea of the years we're talking about here um hmm i would say i think i slipped closed in 1985 maybe 84 yeah, it was, um, it was so somewhere. so my old man probably right around then was when he started racing you know shortly before i slipped closed maybe 83 84 um I don't think my grandfather raced much longer than that. Okay. I think he he may have ventured to Riverhead after Islip closed down, you know, probably 85, 86, something like that. Okay. But um, I don't think he raced too much longer after that. Now, so your your dad started when then? In the early 80s, you would say? Yeah, I would say it was probably around 83, 84. Oh, okay, early 80s, okay. Something like that. And then, you know, he ran my grandfather's backup car for, I don't know, five, ten races. Okay. Um, And then my dad stopped racing for a while. You know, he, he didn't know a whole lot back at that time. Right. You know, he was a, a young man, early 20s, trying to get his life together, stuff like that. So... After that, he didn't get back in a car until 1990 um, at Riverhead. Him and, and my two uncles actually purchased a car together, and my dad drove it, and he ran all the way through at Riverhead in the Charger division Oh, okay. until 2003, okay. I want to say. Okay. And talk about, like, how – did your grandfather, your dad, did they win races? Were they t- talk about successes or anything that you know about uh, about all that? My grandfather, I don't know if he ever even won a consolation race. Oh, <laughs> because as you say, he he wanted to make sure the car stayed pretty, right? Yes, yes. He was very <laughs> focused on keeping those two Chevelles as straight and as clean as possible. But he was having um, a good time. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, is great. Who doesn't have a good time when you're strapping a race car? Well, that's right. He didn't you he know, didn't feel um, he needed to go out there and tear it up, so he did what as he could. As far as I know, the highlight of my grandfather's career was a race of champions race at Pocono. Okay. He had a motor built specifically to go run Pocono, and I wouldn't say that he was a rocket ship on par with the likes of like the Buzzy Ericsons and those guys that ran real well at those races. But um, from the stories I've been told, he, he was pretty good that year until that motor expired. Okay. So I would say that would probably be the highlight of my grandfather's racing career. Um, my dad was a, a heats and concies driver for the most part. He won quite a few heats, quite a few consies. Um, I believe the last year he raced, he won every single heat race that he was in. Wow. But 
Only uh, only one career feature win to okay. his credit. You know, and I, I would say a lot of that has to do with, with money and time. Um, sure. You know, m- when my dad got back in the car in, in 1990, I was born in 91. My sister was born in 93. So he didn't have much time before we were around and he had to worry about kids and right. family bills and, and all that. Um, he was kind of a guy that would just drive what you gave him. And you don't, you don't win races like that. You know, no, that's he, true. Yeah. Races are one in the shop, spending plenty sure. of time going over your stuff and finding that extra little bit. And he just didn't have the time to, to do all that, but he was, um, definitely a show. <laughs> well, that's, I, I guess that could either be, um, that can be a compliment or that can be, <laughs> or maybe not, depending on what kind of a show he was, right? Oh, he was, he was going to the front every time he got on the racetrack. Um, we used to bust his chops. In fact, I still bust his chops to this day about front bumpers. Every time I bend <laughs> the front bumper, he just gives me a look like, oh, you got another one. Meanwhile, I, I spent my childhood Fixing front fixing bumpers, bumpers. every week. Um, Chip off the we, old block. Yeah, right. <laughs> we we had a crew member, uh, Pat, back when my dad was racing, and he helped out, you know, in the early years of my racing until he moved out of state. But right, uh, Pat Pat was the the team welder, and I would help Pat every single week fix the front bumper that my old man knocked off the car. Wow. And you're talking charger cars, um, a limited late model, pro stock, whatever you want to call yeah. them. Those those types of cars, bigger metric chassis cars, you know, fenders. Not not a lightweight modified bumper. You're knocking off. He was knocking off serious front bumpers. That's interesting. Okay, so now um, when when did you come into this uh how how when did you start racing and 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 obviously we know why we know what got you interested but uh like when and what did you start racing how old were you i always wanted to race from the from the day i was born i'm sure um, yeah you know being involved and watching um it took me until the age of 10 to finally be able to drive something okay Um, and I, i don't know if it was my mom not wanting me to be in a race vehicle at, at such a young age or, you know, we just couldn't afford it at that point in time or whatever it was. But by the time I was 10, I finally convinced them to let me race. And uh, I got started in a go-kart at Medford Speedway. Was that an um, oval? What's that? Was that an oval? Yes. Paved oval? Okay. Yeah, it was a paved oval. Um, I want to say it was a tenth of a mile. Four cycle? Briggs and Stratton kind of? Yep, Briggs yeah, okay. and Stratton. Okay, Five Four horsepower cycle. motor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had an open cart. And the deal, the deal was real simple for me. Um, if I wanted to race, I had to go work for it. So at 10 years old, my, my dad had a, uh, a swimming pool business at the time. 
and they they got me a go-kart and they said if you want to race it you got to pay for it so i went and spent my summers working with my dad building swimming pools very nice in order to in order to pay for myself to go racing that's you know they helped me out but they wanted to teach me the work ethic and, and what it took and you know that that sticks with me to this day you know being a, a lower funded team you got to work hard and all that so you started racing the cart um how long did you race the go-kart for uh one season oh wow just one year one year um medford actually had closed down at the end of that that season okay so they raced carts at riverhead as well but i didn't really like it um even at, as a kid, Riverhead just, it was like Daytona for go-karts, you know, a banked quarter mile, you put the throttle down and you just go in a circle. Okay. Um, when you're racing against five or six other carts, you know, how how fun is it? Yeah, um, I hear you. You know, Day, Daytona, you're in a pack of 30, 35, 40 cars, whatever right. it might be, you know. There's some more action going on. I just really didn't like it, so we didn't continue on um, with the go-kart stuff over at Riverhead. Uh, Medford being a, a tenth of a mile short go-kart track, it was perfect, you know? Yeah. There was some techniques, and, you know, you, you couldn't necessarily hold it wide open all the time. You know, it was it was more of a, a driving experience, so I enjoyed that. Okay. So... Where do you go from go-karts at, what, the ripe old age of 11? <laughs> I actually took a little time off. Oh, okay. Um, we we didn't do – my dad was still racing a charger car. Okay. Um, and when I was 12, my family moved to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Ah, okay. So we moved out of state, and we still had the go-kart, but Pennsylvania go-kart racing is more so on dirt. We didn't know anything about dirt. Really, at that point in time, I was not interested in dirt. Okay. Um, I was kind of a little punk in the sense of dirt was for farming, asphalt uh. was for racing. <laughs> um, didn't care for it whatsoever. Okay. And how looking back, I wish I jumped on it because uh, just watch. I mean, I've never been to a dirt race in person, but watching on TV and videos on Facebook, it looks like a blast. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I actually took some time off and when we moved to Pennsylvania. Um, my dad ran a, a handful of races at Mahoning Valley and um, ah. Mountain Speedway, Evergreen Raceway, whatever you want to call it. It's Spencer Speedway. <laughs> Different name every day. year. It's all the same place. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was 14, my dad kind of gave the seat up for me to get in. Uh, we didn't. We weren't funded enough to be able to both race together. So oh, okay. He was kind of on board with, it's your turn, kid, get in it, and let's see what happens. And at 14 years old, I started driving a full-body stock car. Wow. Had no experience driving a full-size car, obviously at 14 on the street, nothing like that. Didn't even know how to drive a stick shift. Okay, so I'll bite. Year one, full-size car, 14-year-old CJ did what? Uh, Well, so I learned how to drive a stick shift in my driveway the day before (laughs) 
<laughs> the first practice. Uh, my dad pulled the car out of the shop and basically said, get in, start it up, put your foot on the clutch, and come over and up. That's first gear. And drive it to the end of the driveway. When you get there, put it in reverse and back it up to the garage. And then do that 100 times. You'll be all right. <laughs> so, so that's how I learned how to drive stick. Uh, went out. That's you know, great. we had our practice sessions for one or two weeks up there, whatever it was. And opening night came around, and I had no idea. I wound up crashing three times. Ooh. Not not, not bad crashes, but I was involved in incidents three different times. Knock the front bumper off, chip off the old block, <laughs> you know. You got that started early. <laughs> Set that precedent right away. Yeah, yeah. Um. But as far as the overall season, I think I ended up like eighth in points or something. Well, there you go. You know, we had some good runs at the end of the year after I started figuring it out. Um, Spent a lot of time starting at the rear, probably the first three quarters of the season. I'd elect to start at the rear every week. Just, you know, I, I was kind of brought up old school. You don't learn anything when you're getting run over. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to start at the back, and when you can pass cars, then you can start up front. Right. You'll be able to hopefully race with them. Agree. Um, yeah. So we did a lot of that. We did a, did a lot of coming from the back. You know, uh, we were not funded. We we, for lack of a better term, we had no money. We would get to the track and buy our fuel every week, and that was about what we had to go race. Wow. We would run other guys take off tires that they were getting rid of. Okay. And uh I I did I raced like that for about 3 years. 14, 15, 16. Um and really I mean, you're not going to the cup series like that, but really uh it taught me a whole lot about car control. Well, sure. Yeah how to drive a tight car, how to drive a loose car. And, you know, it was, it was a huge learning experience and we didn't run bad. You know, we would run after I learned, you know, I learned how to, to get around the track yeah. and all that. We would run between fifth and 10th most okay. weeks, you know, so we had a blast doing it though. Well, and and you were doing it with your dad, which is more important. Was your grandfather involved with, with, with at that point with your racing as well? Kind of all three of you, or no, no. My grandfather kind of, uh, I guess after he stopped racing, he kind of just washed his hands of it. Oh wow! You know, he makes an appearance appearance every now and again. Um, I think the last time he came to the track was practice last season ah he came okay. out to watch practice hang out a little bit you know he, nowadays he's he's getting up there in age i believe he's 82 now so you know all the noise and walking yeah. and it's uh it's tough for him to get out and, and spend some time at the track now but you know he he was never really much involved in my career even my dad's he uh I, I guess there's a lot of guys that, that are like that, you know. When when you're done racing, you don't even want to go to the racetrack anymore because you, you're you not going to be out there doing it. Yeah. I hear you. It's, uh, well, and that makes sense, although, you know, it's always cool when you get, 
you know, your son or your grandson, you kind of, you know, you make it a family thing. But I guess not everybody would feel the same way. And and it's got to be hard, too, because when you're not driving, some people are just, once you get involved, and even me as media, it's hard to just go as a fan anymore. You know, you you you, you kind of have your piece of it that you do. And, and whether you're participating as a driver or a flagger or a fan or a, you know, or, or whatever, um, it's... Um, I, I think it, it, it sometimes can be hard to just sort of sit still and enjoy it the same way that you did when you were working, if, if that makes sense. So um, it is hard to, to, you know, to just go sometimes. So at what point did you go from the Charger to the, the modified type car that you drive now? Well, after we ventured around the country for a little while and came back to long island we ran the charger until 2015 oh okay um at the end of the 2015 season at riverhead barbara and jim cromerty who had to own the track for years um sold the racetrack yes. to eddie and connie partridge yes and when eddie and connie had taken over for whatever reason they got rid of the charger division um, leaving me without a ride, you know. Right. My dad had owned Charger cars from 1990 until yeah. 2015. You know, we didn't know anything else. Um, so it was kind of a few months of agony, really. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to move up to whatever division? Or are we sure. going to take a step back and, you know, go down to a lower division? buy a super pro truck or a blunderbuss car. Um, they had started when they announced they were going to get rid of the chargers. They also announced they were going to start another modified division. Um, a crate modified, uh, people down South would know them as like the 602 modified. Yeah, in you know? New England, it'd be kind of, a, it'd be an SK. SK light. Yeah. Right. SK light. Yeah. Um, so we started looking just at cars rollers that were for sale that we could turn into a um a crate modified sure and just didn't have the funding to do so but luckily enough there was a a guy from staten island that grew up at freeport i slept in riverhead that was going to start um a crate modified team by the name of john visconti and yeah yeah uh a close friend of ours that helped out on the crew had a connection to John Visconti and he kind of threw my name in the hat and I had a conversation with John and uh, John was like, well, you know, we're, we're, I'm talking to a few different guys. I'm not really sure what direction I'm going to go in yet. Whatever. Okay. You know, no problem. And John was sponsored when he had a legend operation by um, Tommy Baldwin. Okay. Growing up in the New York area, you know, the Baldwins, you kind of all know each other. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Tommy had also sponsored my Charger operation um, for a few years. So we were kind of linked. Okay. Um, and when John had talked to Tommy, Tommy put a word in for me, thankfully. You know, he really helped me out and... and John called me back, and that kind of sealed the deal. I was going to be the driver of the 74 crate modified. 
for the 2016 season. That's how that all came together. Okay. From then, I've been in a uh, one form or another of a modified sense for the past uh, four years now. And I'm uh, sure you... I guess five seasons, but four years on the calendar. Right. Yeah, I got you. And I'm sure you've really enjoyed that transition a lot. And and uh, and, and I know that, you know, you've... Um, obviously, anybody that gets hooked up with Tommy Baldwin in any way, shape, or form, um, you, you know, number one, whatever the relationship is, from what I know about Tommy, and I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, and I, I, I would love to because I was always a fan of his dad's whenever... His dad would come and race Oswego. I always enjoyed watching Tom race, and um, and uh, you know anybody that uh, you know gets hooked up with Tommy in any way, shape, or form. Number one, it's going to have a good time. Number two, he knows what he's doing, and and uh, I'm sure John obviously, you know, he he's put a good piece under you, whatever you've been in. Um. Yeah. He he always always had beautiful equipment um whatever we needed you know his famous words were do whatever you got to do to get to the front i don't care if you only bring me back the steering wheel <laughs> there and you go i just i'm not programmed that way you know i'm not i'm not a hammer if you will but um one night i did take him up on that offer <laughs> I brought him back just the steering wheel. Uh, <laughs> we we had a, a throttle stick Ooh. about three quarters of the way of our first season together. Oh, man. Yeah, going into turn one. And uh, I think everything on the car was bent. Wow. I think the driver's door was the only thing we saved. Wow. Yeah. He... At, from that point on, he, he pretty much stopped telling me to bring back the steering wheel because I did it. You know, yeah. you get back to the pit. Well, I didn't. I didn't mean that literally. Uh, yeah, well, you weren't supposed it was to. Kind of like uh, take me seriously. Oh, I'm sorry, but you told me. Well, I mean, the, you know, obviously a, a a hung throttle is not a driver issue. So no, 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 no. not much you could do about that one. But nonetheless, uh, the most helpless you'll ever feel in a race. I can only imagine. Um, Never felt that. Thank God. Uh, Can only imagine. (laughs) I've watched enough of them. Um, And it's almost like you can tell now. And it's like, oh, gosh, it's like watching, you know, you watch NASCAR and you just know when the tire's gone down. And, you know, for that split second before they hit the wall, it's like, oh, that's going to hurt. You know, it happens. It happens really fast. Yeah. For everybody else, being the guy inside of it, it felt like it was going to take forever. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Have enough time to say a prayer before you before you hit. Um, right. So, overall, I mean, talk about some of your career highlights so far with, with uh, the, the various modifieds. Uh, well, when I was still driving for Visconti, we picked up a couple – Great modified wins. Um, 2017, he actually purchased um, Mark Cipher's tour modified operation. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we, ran, we ran some tour races that year, 2017. We did finish sixth um, September tour race at Riverhead. So in my short time on the tour, I thought that was pretty respectable. Yes. Um, 
And then after driving for Visconti, I started driving for a guy named Ken Hagee. Yep. Longtime Riverhead competitor, longtime tour competitor now. Um, and 2019, last season, while I was still driving for Ken, we won two tour-type modified races at Riverhead. Right. Since then, I have purchased a car from Ken. Um, we won another race a couple weeks back this year. Okay. Very good. So you've pretty much established yourself at, at Riverhead. Now, do you have plans going forward to, um, would you like to run the entire wheeling tour? Or what What? What are you looking at? I mean, I know you're, you're what, 29 now. So still really plenty of good racing years left. What Are you trying to sort of build your operation or, or what is your... What is your goal? Um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's goal is to go as high as you can go, you know, um, whether it be the the highest level at your local track or in our case, we have NASCAR modified. So the next highest step would be the tour. But um, realistically speaking, fortunately, I have a pretty solid group of sponsors behind me and allows me to run the full season of the tour type modified the riverhead. But right. The dream would be the tour financially at this point, not a reality. Okay. Um, you know, that, that would be the goal we strive for is to hopefully put together the funding and all that to, to build the team and continue on onto the modified tour. Um, but you know, I don't think anybody straps into a race car from the beginning of their career and says, I think I'm going to stick it out right where I am. You know, you always yeah. want to keep climbing. Well, sometimes, you know, whether it's work reasons or whatever, you you just aren't in a position to maybe travel, you know, that much or whatever. Uh, so there could be a number of reasons why, you know, sometimes people just, much as they may want to, they can't, you know, right. do that kind of a thing. Um but uh, if you had an opportunity with someone else's equipment that was competitive, you know, maybe that would make the tour easier for you. Would you look at something like that if it were offered? Absolutely. Always explore every opportunity. Exactly. You know, um, if it's available and it's feasible, I would absolutely entertain any offer. Um, I had a blast running the tour. You know, we didn't we didn't run the full schedule. We right. ran five or six races, yep. but you know, you get to. I really grew up racing at Evergreen and Riverhead. You know, smaller tracks. Evergreen's a third of a mile. Yeah. Um, you get a taste of Thompson and Stafford and those bigger half five eighths miles tracks. That, yeah. You know, you're really going pretty good at those places. You know. You really can't miss the opportunity to go back. They're just, even if you don't run well, they're just so much fun to drive the track. Yeah. You know, well, and you got, um, you know, you're, Thompson's not, Thompson's off this coming year, but uh, you still got Oswego, which is a 5A. Of course, you got Loudon. And you got, right. now you got Martinsville, Richmond. Um, Jennerstown's a half. You know, you got, you got a number of uh, bigger tracks that uh, 
that the tour goes to now. So who knows if the right situation comes along or, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to go pick one perhaps that you could, you know, uh, make it. I mean, Martinsville's so steeped in tradition, you know, that uh, that would seem like it would be a bucket list for everybody if you got a modified. 100%. Yeah. I don't, I don't go out of my way to watch the Cup Series every week. Right. When they run Martinsville, I make sure that I'm home to watch that race. Right. Um, you know, what? not even just the Cup Series, the Truck Series or yep. Xfinity or yep. whoever is running at Martinsville. That place has just always been my favorite track on the schedule. Um, you know, I'll still go back on YouTube and watch old modified races and late model races at Martinsville. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those places. It's just cool. Yeah, I can remember uh, I was talking about this with somebody else, too. I I can remember when I was growing up as a kid, I was a 70s kid, and um, our our radio station up in, up in Oswego was, I think, one of the first in the area to uh, pick up MRN, and I remember um, listening to um, Eli Gold and some other folks, whoever they might have been at that time, um, broadcasting from Martinsville for a modified race. It was the Azalea something or other, whatever the lap count was that year. Um, and I can, can just remember the, you know, the names that I would read about, you know, in speed sport and, and all those, you know, race trades. And then, of course, the guys I knew, you know, Bodine, which who, he was always my guy. And then, you know, Evans and Troyer and whoever else, it was just, that was, um, it was like, you you know, you just, you, you just thought, man, how cool would it be to someday be able to go and, and watch that. Um, and now they're coming back, thank God. And so I, I can't wait for next year to be able to go see that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that would be one you'd love to do, but at least, uh, so the plan for next year would be, uh, to run Riverhead again weekly is that what you're what what the plan is right now? Yeah, you know, as of Saturday, really our season just ended. Yeah, um, so haven't really given much thought as to what the plan might be, uh, but I would say that running weekly at Riverhead would be our plan as of now. Yeah, this season had to be a. I mean, you know, just everything, especially in that area uh, with COVID and all of that. Talk a little bit about how the season went for you and, and talk about, you know, kind of what the experience was, because I'm sure it had to be very, very different from a normal racing season down there or up there. I guess if you're sitting in my seat right now. It was strange. Um, I would say o- opening night, they had fans. Yeah. So it was it was kind of normal. I mean, we didn't start until August 1st. Oh, so as normal of an opening night as you can make. Yeah. It, but... Um, there were fans in the stands at least not, not a packed house, but there were people Okay, who were out there, you know, um, after that, they were kind of shut down to no fans for probably four or five weeks. Wow. And it was just, it was weird rolling out on the racetrack. You know, people that were in the pits would go out and sit in the stands, but yeah, you know, what are, what are you talking 40, 50, 100 people at well, most. Well, yeah, you, know? you, you so, just, it's such you, a different thing. You miss the crowd, right? The roar of the crowd. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't 
you don't pay attention to the crowd when you're racing. No. But, you know, one of the coolest parts about any given race night is when you roll out for your feature and you're lined up on the front straightaway staging, you know, yeah, on the grid and there's little kids standing at the fence waiting. Right. Yes. And and they may not be even coming to your car. Yeah. They might be a fan of somebody else and they're trying to get their attention. But, you know, you sit there as a race car driver now, you know, in the highest division at Riverhead Raceway in, in the tour type modified. Yeah. And you just, for that moment, think back to, I used to be that kid. Yes. Yes. You know, I used to be that kid standing at the fence whether it was waving to my dad in a Charger race or waving to John Fortin Sr. lined up for a modified race, trying to get Teddy Christopher and Mike Stefanik's attention when the <laughs> tour came to town. You yeah. Know, you just, that that's one of the coolest parts. You yeah. Know? And I wish back at Evergreen, before every race, we used to do a wave lap. You know, you last lap before the green flag, you wave to the fans. I wish we did something like that at Riverhead because that's really cool as well. I agree. You know, just just acknowledge the fans, you know, without without the fans. Who are we? Exactly. Well, especially for the bigger races, you know, I mean, you'd like to see it. Um, But yeah, even every week, I mean, I just I think it's cool for the fans, too. And it gives the announcer one last shot to, you know, um, to pump pump it up before you know, uh, the green comes out. And uh, so how did how did your season go for you this year? Talk about you. We struggled real early in the season. We really struggled. We, um, after the season last year, I was purchased in the car from Ken Hagee. Um, so it was going to be my car. I wanted to, you know, obviously take it all apart, go over everything. We had some upgrades we had in mind. Yeah. Um, we cut the clip off, put a front clip on, a whole bunch of stuff. We were trying to step up our program, and we really just struggled with that. You know, we went back with similar setup as, as we had in 2019, and with the new clip and all that, it just didn't work. You know, okay. the, the car, the old clip was actually bent. So what we figured out to make it go fast didn't translate anymore. Ah, okay. So I've, I've, we, I've we heard that before. Struggled. People have said, we set it up with a bent clip and it just doesn't, you know, or, or something is, you know, wrong in the rear end, whatever it is, something's binding. And you kind of find the, 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 the crutch set up. Right. But then you got to start all over when you actually fix it because the geometry is different now. Right, 100%. Yeah. That's exactly what happened yeah. for probably the first four or five weeks. Um, you know, after that, we started to get a handle on it. We started to come around. Um, my crew chief is a real smart guy amongst the local racing community. Um, he started to get a handle on it. We slowly started to pick it up. You know, we strung together. I think four or five top fives or sixes in a row at one point, you know, it started to come around. We started to feel like we were one of the boys again. Yeah. And then we clicked off a win. It was, you know, we we were back and then the season ended. You know? Oh man. 
funny how that happens. Yeah, I mean, it, well, of course, when you don't get started until August, and, there, it, you know, if you could could have, you know, if you could pick up the track and move it to Florida, then you, you'd still be racing. But, um, you know, there's only so long you can go up there, right? But um, so at least it gives you kind of a little bit. You were kind of peaking when the season ended, so you you go into next year with some good momentum anyhow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We were definitely hitting our stride as the season was coming to an end. Um, you know, we ran the Islip 300 this past Saturday, and we didn't fare too well, but I thought we had a really good car um, for a longer race, you know, a good, comfortable setup. Yeah. And we we struggled on the, the speed charts in practice. We were at the bottom of the, bo- uh, you know, bottom of the list. Um, didn't time trial very well. I think I time trialed 22nd. Okay. You know, and that's like, that's that makes it, it hard. Was, it was a really tight field, but I'm just I'm not a good time trialer, and and I kind of hurt us there because it got us a lap down early. But yeah, the car was just so comfortable and so good on the long run. It it gives you confidence, absolutely, hundred percent going sure. forward towards next season. Just wish we could have. For sure, yeah. That's finished uh, a little better than we did, you know. Well, it, you know, it's just tough on those bull rings, man. When you get, you know, if you're starting twenty second, boy, you you better pass a good number of cars earlier. The leaders are going to be on you, right? I mean, it just doesn't, you know. There's there's not a lot of uh, time in in those types of races, and hundred uh, percent, you, you know, know, hard to make your lap back too. If you get down a lap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do do a lucky dog for that race. Sure. But, um, like you said, the bull ring leaders coming quick right from the drop of the green. If you're at the back, you better go. And it's hard to manage at times. You know, it's a 300 lap race, so yeah. you you want to manage the car and keep the wheels pointed in the right directions and not smoke the right rear too quick and. But at the same time, when you're at the back, you got to keep in the back of your head. Hey, the leaders are coming, and you yep. got a mixed barrel yep. of cars. Um, for that race, Keith Rocco came down with an SK. Um, there was another SK from Stafford that came down, and you got guys uh, like Zachum and Galco, well, Justin, who have Bonsignor. experience in tour type modifieds, yeah. but they're not familiar with Riverhead, so to speak. You know, so. You want to tiptoe a little bit, you know, let those guys get their bearings and, you know, not be the guy that's beating up the back bumper of the outsider. And, you know, sometimes you get caught and you go a lap down early. And you get, Like you said, you got Justin, you got Priest, you got yep. Goodale, Lux. Yep. Those guys, those guys are on kill. Well, they're coming. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's, it, it, it's just hard. You know, it's at 22nd, even if you, you know, like you said, you start beating bumpers off or whatever, then you you could mess your car up early. So it's kind of it's a tough predicament to be in. And once you do get a lap down, the laps stick by so quickly. Yeah, you could get a lucky dog, but if you don't, it just you know. So it it, it just makes it uh, difficult. But you know, I imagine that uh, you're looking forward to next year. And I know that you've you've had a lot of people who have helped you make you know make this this stuff happen. And I never like to um, close an interview without giving the driver a chance to uh, do the proper thank you. So uh, have at it, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
the name of this short track local racing game is people that are going to help you. Yeah. You know, whether it be sponsors or, or crew members, fans, whoever it might be, you know, um, money's the name of this game, unfortunately. And we've been pretty fortunate to have a, a good group of sponsors. Um, Sal from certified cesspool and drain, uh, Dave and Lisa from shore mechanical court. Um, Tommy Baldwin, the third short side support helps us out every year. Uh, knuckles Malone motor cars, knuckles and slugger labby together. Help us out. Um, nice. My engine builder, Jeff at velocity race engines always builds big smoke. Um, got a few, Food sponsors, they can't get go overlooked. You know, you got to feed the crew. You got to keep everybody energized. And, uh, yep, Candy Pantry, Massive Beach, Pizza Time, help us out. Um, Mark Seifer over at SYP Industries. Um, Jeff and Kim McGrath, Performance Synthetics, our Amsoil dealer, um, help us out with all our lubricants. Okay. Brake fluids and stuff like that. Um. For the 300, we had a guy by the name of Travis Travis Jersick come on. Jersick Auto Detailing helped us out for the 300. Appreciate him. Nice. Um, and then you got, you know, parts suppliers that help you out and work with you. Dennis at Oval Speed has always been great to everybody at Riverhead Raceway. And um, through some connections, obviously, in the racing world, I was introduced to Tommy Strupp at TDS Performance Products this year. Okay. And help he helped me get the parts that i needed and got us going in the right direction um and then just a laundry list of of people that that spend their time and effort and blood sweat and tears and in making these cars go you know obviously my dad we spoke about yeah um chris busick brian shane um Scott, Matt McGrath, Ethan, Rocket, Rich, Jess, Jay, my uncles, Tim and Steve, uh, Billy Wood, Gianni, my cousin Kyle, um, all the wives and girlfriends that let their husbands and boyfriends and what have you spend their free time helping me out and yeah. putting my car together. Um and then my girlfriend, you know, she deals with it. She loves it sometimes more than I love it now. That's um, awesome. But, yeah, she she puts up with me and, and allows me to do what I love to do. And she's always supportive. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be what it is now without her supporting me. So I got to thank her. Well, it's been fun to get to know you a little bit, CJ, and uh, and hearing your your story, um, your grandfather and your dad, and now yourself, and um, you know your your. I love that area anyway. Again, so many big names from the Long Island area over the years. We I could fill a whole show talking about uh, the Harmocks and the Bluets and Jarzombek and. Oh, my gosh, it just goes on forever. Baldwin, of course, uh, you know, just so, so, so many. Um, and, uh, you know, just just love talking about that, uh, the tracks up there. Um, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you and, and uh, uh, wish you a very uh, safe and happy holiday season. And 
Uh, look forward to hopefully a normal season for you uh, in 2021. And uh, uh, we can uh, have another conversation as 21 gets going and uh, we see where that's taking you. Um, it's been a, a pleasure to have you on the podcast tonight. We thank you for doing it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks that, for having me on. That is CJ Lehman. We're going to be back with more of Mainly Modifieds right after this. Stay with us. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. As we continue with uh, this episode, we now uh, go to the phone line and talk with Justin Bonsignor. And Justin, of course, uh, wow, hard to believe, two-time champion of the NASCAR wheeling modified tour and uh for the last couple of seasons justin it seems like uh you've had uh just everything fall your way here but um i want to focus on this year because um this year obviously was such a a different sort of a year with covid and and especially with regard to the tour you didn't know where or when or how many races and it was kind of almost um make it up as you go sort of thing for you know everybody with the tour looking back on the year you got nine out of your scheduled 17 events but they weren't all where they were supposed to be um what are your thoughts when you look back over the course of the season um what do you think about i mean this had to be a crazy year for for you guys yeah first off thanks for having me on the show i of appreciate course. that and uh yeah it was um you know obviously for the whole the whole world, it was a, it is still a crazy year, and yeah. we're, we're living through. But um, uh, as far as the wheel and modified tour and, and racing up here in the Northeast went, um, you know, Jimmy Wilson and everybody at NASCAR did a, as good of a job as they could, and worked, uh, I'm sure, a lot of hours to be able to piece together uh, a schedule to get us going. Obviously, it started without fans, and as we progressed, we were yeah. able to have fans back, and um, it was definitely tough uh, for everybody in the industry and. Um, but I think everybody did a really good job, all the tracks, all the series of trying to get in as much as they could. And, um, you know, our team was just pretty much ready to go the whole time throughout the, you know, the, the beginning of the pandemic. So the cars and everything was in, in good position and just kind of waiting on the green light on, on what track we would possibly open up at first. And, you know, it, it got a little hectic. Uh, there was a few times we raced um, just days apart from each other. But, yeah. you know, we were up for the challenge and, you know, our, our team was was all 100% in and was able to make every race, all our crew guys. Obviously, it's tough. Uh, you know, everybody's a volunteer, but, um, you know, our my team owner, Ken Massa, and Ryan Stone, my crew chief, and, and all our sponsors and all our crew guys were just, uh, you know, 100% into, into being making sure we were prepared each week and, and having everything we needed. So um, from our side of things, it went pretty smooth, um, but uh, it definitely was a, a tough thing for, I'm sure, a lot of teams and just as an industry in general. But, um, you know, obviously it was a great year for us. We finished uh, off with the championship, you know, three wins, top five in every race. It was, um, you know, pretty much a, a shortened dream season for us. But um, all in all, it was, it was still a great year. It was. In it's interesting when you look over the season. First of all, there's a lot that we can kind of talk about. You went back to Jennerstown for the first time. 
in a while, um, which was something I think everybody was really looking forward to doing, um, wishing, obviously, it could be under better circumstances. And then you went to White Mountain, which is a track that was not on the original uh, schedule for the the tour uh, for this year, and you won both of those, came out of the box with two wins. That had to really put you and the team into a really uh, kind of heightened state of confidence because I I would think at that point you had to at least suspect that we aren't going to get 17 races in this year. We're going to have some sort of a shortened season. After those first two wins, you know, what were you guys thinking about as far as, you know, going forward? Because, I mean, you started off two for two and really established yourselves as the team to beat again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't know what to expect with the seven, so almost seven month layoffs since last time we had raced. And, yeah. Um, you know, we were, you know, a little, little nervous. At least I was to go to new racetracks and not ever been there before. But you know, once we unloaded at Jennerstown and we're really fast, won the pole and led every lap, it kind of, you know, takes any of those, you know, worries away. And then from there, you knew the season was going to be shortened. Um, we didn't know how short it was going to be, yeah. but we knew each race was going to matter more than than it would uh typically you couldn't have you know any mulligans this year and um as far as going to the new racetracks you know once we were able to win that first one at jennerstown and uh you know you just go into white mountain and you're like okay you know we can we can go to any new track and and be competitive and 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 go out there and contend so um then we went out and and won a second one it was like wow this is uh this is pretty awesome yeah um had a few hiccups the next couple but then got back to victory lane at manadnock so um you know it's uh it just shows how good of a team we are and and how how focused uh, Ken Mass is as an owner, and how how detail oriented my my crew chief Ryan Stone is, and just everybody from top to bottom is just uh, all into our our program. Everybody buys in, pulls in the same direction, and that makes things a lot easier and makes us uh, tough to beat. What did you think about? Uh, what are your impressions of Jennerstown and White Mountain? I mean, obviously back to back, that had to be interesting because you went from a half mile to a quarter, um, and then you went back to the quarter again, and then back to the half. So you kind of did, you know, a mirror image for the first four races. Um, what, you, what is your impression of those two tracks, and would you like to see them back in 2021 on the schedule? Yeah, for sure. They were great facilities. You know, I'd never been to either of them. In- you know, we rolled into Jennerstown. And I was just, you know, in in awe of how beautiful a facility it is out there in Western PA or Central PA, whatever you want to call it. And then, um, you know, we went to White Mountain up in the, literally in the mountains of of Northern New Hampshire, and that was a beautiful little facility. Um, and, and it was, you know, nice to see tracks like that get added to our schedule. Uh, very appreciative of their ownership and management to take on races during everything that was going. On. For sure not even make money they might lose money on the deal but and then to take us back two more you know one more time each to go you know for the first four races was was definitely pretty special and we're really appreciative of all the all the people that were able to pull that off for our series um but you know i hope you know i'm not sure if they're going to be on the schedule but i hope they are in the future because they're great facilities and different parts of the country that you know get to see modified racing a little more and um i think they put on good races at both of them so uh, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all for going to as many tracks as we can. Um, it's just not always that easy as a 
from a standpoint of, of the economic side of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so two races each there, and then you went to Monadnock, and that was where you kind of came back to victory lane after uh, not winning uh, the the uh, four, uh, third and fourth races of the year. You got there in race five at Monadnock, and then uh, Thompson, Loudon, Stafford, and another one at Thompson to finish it off, and uh, winless in those. But uh, you, I think, I feel like you um, you consistented if that's a word, <laughs> consistented them to death. Uh, just, you know, you were always up front, always the top five, and, and uh, it, it seemed like that overall that's what ended up playing out. We had, uh, you know, you had won, you won three, Ron Silk won two, and you had uh, Kobe uh, Lutz winning two and then Kobe winning one. So we had several multiple winners, but it was like you're, you were kind of the best average finish, which really made a difference, I think. Yeah, I mean, for sure. We just didn't have any hiccups, and we were in contention. We led laps at all, all of yeah. uh, the races except one, and uh, we were in contention to win a lot of them. We could have won the Musket race, uh, the Thompson races. Yep. We were real close. I mean, every every race this year we were really close to or in contention when it came down to the end. We just, you know, that's that's why we race. You know, it's not always the best car is going to win, and, you know, we a couple times made a over-adjustment at pit stops or just didn't you know, didn't have the best car when it counted and, and guys can capitalize on that really quick. But oh, yeah. um, from our speed side of things, our cars and Ryan Stone's cars are just unbelievable each and every week we unloaded from the truck. And, you know, it just was, it's a pleasure to drive that type of stuff. And, um, you know, that's all you can ask for is, you know, at the end of the day is to have a shot at it. You're not always going to win them, but um, if you can come out of there with top threes and top fives, um, you know, it's going to pay well at the end of the year. And obviously we were able to pull that off. From the competition standpoint, I feel like the tour was as or more competitive this year than it's you know it's it's even been in the in the past few years necessarily, and yet we only got nine races in. Um, I feel like going into twenty one, if everybody that ran this year comes back, and you obviously always have one or two at least new. Uh, faces that pop in and and a couple that that will elevate their programs i feel like 2021 could be an amazing year and uh given the nature of what we already know about the schedule for 2021 it would be a huge year if we could get the fans back and have all that competition going to some of these tracks that uh will be just huge tracks for you guys yeah i I agree for sure that the competition level on the tours it's definitely tough. I mean, you know, it might not seem that way always. You know, you got to tell a lot of the same guys went in all the time. Um, but, you know, there is a other handful of guys that, you know, didn't win races this year. Like John McKennedy sure. is a good yep. example. He didn't yep. win, but he was running in the top two or three every week. I mean, finished second in points. Uh, there's guys like that. And the tour is also in a, in a transition time right now. There's a lot of, um, I hate to say, but young kids coming through the ranks right now, like Matt Swanson and, oh, yeah. and Sammy Ramu and, and guys like that that just – they're growing to that level of where they're going to be top contenders in another year or two. So, you know, the more experience they get and the more seat time they get at these different racetracks, they're going to become teams that consistently can run in the top two or three. And then at that point they'll start contending to win and start winning races. So um, it's a, it's a different time right now. I think on the tour, Um, you don't have a ton of veteran drivers. I think you're seeing a lot of younger guys come in and with more experience that they gain, they'll become guys that can go out and, and win and that's only going to elevate every you know the veteran drivers and just elevate the series as a whole so um you know obviously the schedule is not out yet but we got a few few big ones so far that have come out um plus the normals at stafford which is you know stuff that we need as a series that's where our, our heritage is 
Um, so I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the full schedule coming out in a couple weeks here. Um, but, uh, you know, to have Martinsville and Richmond and, and even Lancaster, just a new track taking us on, yeah. uh, is pretty special. But uh, to have those premier events at the at the cup cup level uh, events, cup stage is, uh, is important to our series. And um, hopefully it's something that can, you know, be successful and a thing of, uh, of you know, can be consistently on the series year after year. What is it uh, like for you to travel down and race a track like Martinsville or or Richmond? Um, you know, or obviously we've we've raced at Bristol uh, pretty regularly. Um, what's it like for you guys from the north to come down here and race at some of those Cup tracks? Is does it feel like a, a marquee event, a bigger event for you guys, or, or is it is it kind of you got to tune all that out and just look at it as just another race? Yeah, I mean, you look at it from both sides for sure as a obviously we're all fans of the sport and we want to see our sport successful and we're yeah. all very um kind of a chip on our shoulder as modified drivers just that we think our series is the best in the world so for us to have <laughs> um you know opportunities to race with the national series uh on their weekends and have more eyeballs and more fans that might not know what our cars are and be able to watch a race and be like wow those guys are those guys are crazy like that's awesome race and i wish i could see that more and Stuff like that is is important to us. I think as a series, you want the series to be successful, so you need the fans for that to be successful. But uh, as far as the driving side of things, when you get there, you know you can you can be in awe and take it all in when you get in there and seeing what the facilities are like for the first time. And um, but you know once it comes down time to race, you just sure. gotta you gotta focus in, and it's just uh, it's just another event. But um, you know it, it works both ways, and we need everybody to pull in the same direction for the whole series to be successful. It does have to be a real thrill, though, to um, to pull into a place like Martinsville and and kind of think back and realize that, you know, so many of the greatest drivers in the history of modified racing competed there, you know, back in the, the 70s and, and 80s when, you know, when things were really in their heyday. Yeah, for sure. You know, I my, we went to Martinsville my rookie year, and I just probably didn't understand the importance of it then, but now as a as a veteran of the series that's been around a good amount of time, I was looking forward to, obviously it was on the schedule for this past year and we were all looking forward to getting back there and, and knowing now the history that's involved in, in a place like that for our cars and our series, it was, it was going to be special. Um, so I'm really, even though we didn't get to go, I'm, I'm excited that they were willing to take us back next year. And then yeah. the fact that we can add Richmond knowing that there's been some history there, not as much or, to the level, but you know, they, they've seemed to have always put on good races at Richmond. And I think with the, the changing of how the national series are going to run in the next, at least next year with the lack of no practice and qualifying these, these tracks are looking to, you know, have other races since the other series will be in and out in one day. It kind of hopefully can give the fans more opportunity to see more racing. And if that benefits our series, that's, that's great, you know? So uh, hopefully that's just a sign of things to come for our series and getting us at these tracks that, you know, I think we should be at. I think it's important for us to to be on these bigger stages and um, you know, and have and showcasing our our series to more fans. But at the same time, we need the heritage of the of the Connecticut tracks, the New England tracks, to uh, you know, to remember where where it all came from and and what really the fan base of our series is. We can't forget about them for sure. And I think kind of on the opposite side of that scale, I was a little disappointed to see that. Uh there's no race scheduled for Thompson for next year, which is another track that's obviously been 
um, a staple part of you know modified history in the Northeast for decades now, uh, and it, it seems kind of a shame. It's good that we got three at Stafford, but it seems sort of a shame to lose Thompson off the schedule. Uh, what, from, talk about that a little bit from your perspective. Yeah, that's devastating from from two fronts. You know, as a series in general, obviously that's uh, if you think of the modified tour between Stafford and Thompson, those are the two tracks. The first you know, thing you think of when you think of the modified tour. Yeah. So from that side of things, it's, it's definitely tough. And, you know, from a, from my side of my side of it is I'm, it's one of my best racetracks. So I was closing yeah. in on possibly having a shot to tie uh, um, Teddy Christopher and Mike Stefanik in the coming years if we kept winning there. So that is tough to, uh, to lose that off the schedule. I mean, there's, there's talk that it's maybe not a close, completely closed door. Oh, okay. Um, we, we hope we pray. <laughs> Um, but I think it's important if they could come to an agreement that our series does race there. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a it's Sunday, a Saturday or a Wednesday, when we go there, it's, it's a packed house and, yeah. um, it's always a great race. So hopefully the uh, powers to be can come to some type of agreements that works for everybody. You know, obviously it's tough. It has to work for the, has to work for the promoter, has to work for NASCAR, has to work for the teams. So, um, the business side of things is sometimes tough and you have to understand that side of it too, but um selfishly as a competitor that runs really well there I, I really hope they can put something together for the modified tour i agree totally and I, I understand that it looks like oswego is probably going to be back on the schedule though it hasn't been officially announced yet um and since i was born and raised there uh i have to ask <laughs> what's it like to uh to go race at the fast five eighths of a mile Oh, uh, I fell in love with that place right, right from the start you know obviously we've only been going there on the, the nascar side of things the last four or five years but we run really well there. Finally got to Victory Lean in, in 2019. Sure and it's did. just, I don't know all the history of the place, but I know enough of it to know that that was an important victory in my career. And, um, you know, we went up there and had a great day that in 2019 and held off Matty Hirschman, which is, you know, obviously one of the guys Hard in, to in do. modified racing <laughs> right now. So it made it a little sweeter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just being there on Classic Weekend and, and all the different types of fans and watching the other different, uh, the super modified divisions there and, and just, you know, meeting all the fans at the party that, uh, you know, they're, they're asphalt modified fans, but just from different, different part of the country, yep. you know, a different part of the region. So, um, it, it, they got a lot of passion up there and we, uh, we love going up there for sure. Hopefully it's back. Um, obviously Lancaster is a good addition for yes, the New York very much. You know, start of things. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of teams from up there, you know, with the Catalanos and Chucky Hotsfield and Emerling. So a lot of Western New York guys that support our series. And that's great that we can hopefully get, at least two races out there, maybe, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, I don't have very many rumors going on where the schedule is going to be, but um, I would, I would like to think we'll be at Oswego. I think, uh, I think that's an important one for us. And, you know, it might be a, it's not a huge national series type track, but it has the same, it carries that same level of prestige and, and honor when you win there. Yeah, really uh, it, it is. And, and it's, it was, you know, it's been a, uh, the Modified 200, uh, even before it was a NASCAR race, uh, the Modified 200 was a big part of uh, Modified Racing for uh, decades there since uh, I think it's 69 was the first year for it or 70. And um, and it's it's kind of kept up and, and recently, again, gone back to being a NASCAR event. So, um, But, uh, yeah, Swiggo in the New York area, for that matter, Lancaster was a nice surprise. I was not expecting that. Um, that track has undergone... Uh, uh, an ownership change and the name change, actually. But uh, we, those of us who lived up there for years, still know it as Lancaster, so we'll still 
call it that for for now anyway uh but that's a it's an older track but again western new york um going all the way back to the days of the tricler brothers and uh you know so many different people from that area that used to race there in spencer and holland and um you know in all of the, the the tracks and then you know come to the to the shows at oswego there's a lot of history there so that's a nice opportunity for you guys again to to go to a, a different part of new york state that's still it's within about three hours of oswego so a lot of the fans i think will be common um and uh and and just a little more diversity and another new track on the schedule for next year so that was kind of fun yeah i think it's uh like i said a great addition you know obviously the more tracks the better it just yeah. makes the makes the portfolio more diverse and um obviously like you said again i hate to harp on it but it makes you know puts new fans and yes and more eyes on the series yeah it's never a bad thing nope not at all uh and and it's nice to see that there's new tracks like that willing to uh to to step up and and take the uh take the bull by the horns coming off this 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 kind of a year that they're willing to say hey yeah we want you guys for next year and and uh we're willing to uh, the sign on the dotted line to do that. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the whole COVID uh, situation for you, because I know you're you're located in a region, obviously, in the, the greater New York City area that uh, um, was was hit, you know, the hardest uh, and, and is still being um, hit hard. Uh, how how are things for you? What how has it affected your day to day, your business, uh, that that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been tough for everybody. We've been real fortunate. My family is, uh, everybody's been, uh, you know, healthy and safe. And everybody, Good. anybody immediately Very that right. I've known of, uh, has not, um, not had any any issues with it, which is, is always great. But uh, obviously, it's, it is affecting a lot of people. And, um, you know, as far as the business side of things, I'm uh, in the fiber optic industry as my day job yeah. and uh, general manager for a company. And we've we've been... We've been hit hard. Uh, you know, we've stayed open the whole time. I, I haven't missed a day of work. Uh, our guys Good. have missed a day of work the whole year, which is great. But it has been has been tough. Uh, you know, just trying to kind of see how we can, you know, downsize in ways and and be a little more cost effective because business has not been that great so far this year. Just uh, a lot of uncertainty with with the the economics of of things in in our industry. So it's been tough, but uh, we've been working through it and. Um, like I said, we haven't we haven't had to close for any reasons, which is great, and um, we're just trying to uh, hopefully make it to the new year, and hopefully for our work side of things, things pick up in 21. But um, it's been uh, it's been interesting, it's been different, it's been eye opening for sure. But uh, as far as the health side of things, um, myself and my girlfriend and all of our families have been have been staying healthy, and all of our friends so. Um, that's important, and uh, we're just hopefully looking to get past this sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. We uh, certainly praise the Lord for the safety and uh, look forward to hopefully better days ahead. And uh, we'll we'll get you out of here with uh, a couple of last questions here. First of all, obviously the most recent race you just ran was uh, at Riverhead, which is kind of your home track there. And I loved, I, I just love that it was the Islip 300. I just, uh, Islip is a track that was just, it, it kind of went away just as I was starting to go to the tra- races at five and six years old. I never got to to uh to go see the track but i always heard so much about it and uh, i think it's cool that this this was kind of a, a a remembrance of that track talk about uh how that race went for you because i know you wound up with a, a podium finish out of it yeah you know it's great like you said to that riverhead has been able to have this event now four years since yeah. the partridges purchased uh purchased the racetrack i participated in the first year for about 30 laps and blew an engine and just <laughs> haven't 
schedule-wise, we haven't been able to make it these past couple years. But uh, obviously, with racing the tour being done and and November being a slow month, we you know as a team all decided that we'd go down and run. And uh, we had a really good of a run. We we uh, driver kind of messed up a qualify and put us a little further back, qualified eighth. Um, but by a uh, lap, I think 150 or 160, a couple guys had pitted, but we uh, had raced our way to the lead and actually got past Priest um, on the outside, got drove around him, and we led up until about 200 or 220, and um, we were Ryan and I were the last, basically the last two cars to pit, and um, he actually decided to pit. He short pitted us uh, by one caution, oh. and he dragged about five cars with him. And um, when I decided to pit, I had come back out in tenth, and he was already, I think, in the top two or three. So, just made it a little too tough to, and the cautions didn't also fall where we needed him at the end to, you know, get back to have a shot at him. But you know, we did get the third, which is, um, you know, obviously. Really good run for us. We're obviously a little disappointed. Obviously, we go there hoping to win, but, um, you know, it was still on a good event. You know, no pressure on the line. Just kind of go out and try and have some fun and participate in a good, cool event. And, um, you know, we would have loved to love to have a shot at them, you know, maybe with one caution with 20 or 30 to go. It just didn't, just didn't happen that way. So, um, But either way, it was, uh, you know, a fun day, and it was cool to, you know, see the racetrack painted with the walls like it was at Iceland back in the 80s, 70s and 80s. So, um, that was, that was cool. It kind of had that old school feel to it and to, uh, you know, have strategy and pit stops and stuff play, come into play on a little quarter mile track. It made it, made it fun. So hopefully it's something that we can, uh, keep on our schedule for years to come. We'd love to, uh, love to win that one. Uh, hate losing to Ryan, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he had a tough year with everything he, uh, between the modified stuff and the cup stuff. So it was kind of, you know, as a, as a friend of his, it was kind of cool to see him end it on a high note. So. Um, but yeah, I had a great event and, you know, we're now looking forward to the off season and getting ready for 21 and looking forward to the schedule coming out and just enjoy our time with the holidays here. Okay. So, uh, before we let you go, we never uh, like to, uh, end an interview without giving the, you guys an opportunity to, uh, put thank yous where they belong. So, uh, who helps you make all of this happen? Yeah, it's, uh, it's always very important, but I uh, can't thank Ken and Janine Mass of M3 Technologies enough. You know, I've been with them as a, as a team since 09 and, uh, just a great, great partnership, great friendship and everything that we have there between us and um, can't do it without my whole team. Ryan Stone led uh, all my crew guys for everything, all their girlfriends, wives, families that participate and, and just allow their, their husbands and boyfriends to go travel with us. And then obviously we've got great sponsors with Phoenix Communications and Mark and Marie Langevin, uh, Clearcom IT Solutions, Robbie Gates Race Cars, Fury Race Engines, uh, all our for your race cars, not race engines. <laughs> All of <laughs> our uh, about that. product sponsors and just um, everybody that puts a hand on this team is uh, much appreciated. And uh, we look forward to having everybody back next year as, uh, and keeping our whole core group together and, and trying to go out and, and repeat again. I was afraid I might have missed an announcement about Fury expanding their product line for a second there. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we always appreciate talking to you on our Race Chaser shows, uh, Justin, and uh, congratulations again on a championship season, a great year for you, and uh, all the best to you and your family and your team uh, for safe and joyous holidays, and we look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you as 2021 uh, grows and develops and uh, more news comes out that we may want to chat with you about down the road. Yeah, of course. It's always a pleasure to be on. And you guys as well all have a great holiday season and uh, stay safe. And we'll see you at the races soon. Thank you very much. That is Justin Bonsignor. And we're going to step aside when we come back. We'll have more of the Mainly Modifieds podcast right around the turn.
Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorcustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we get set to close this show and our 2020 season of shows out here. Uh, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you who take time to listen to this show, to share this show so others can uh, discover it uh, and enjoy it, and uh, who take time to comment and uh, let me know how they feel about the show and uh, give me some ideas as far as... uh, you know, content and so forth. So I want to uh, thank all of you uh, who uh, do all of that. And uh, I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But we've still got a couple of things to address here. First of all, I want to take us back a little bit because, um, again, it's been a little bit of a, a, a stretch between uh, episodes here because I've been working on uh, some other things, trying to get set for 2021 and uh, look forward to having some pretty big announcements after the first of the year. I can't wait to uh, let all of you know what's going on with me and with uh, Race Chaser for 2021. It is going to be big, and I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I want to take us back to mid-November, about a month or so ago, the final Smart Modified Tour Race at Florence Motor Speedway, um, this was, first of all, this was, the weather was unbelievable, I thought, for, uh, mid-November. Beautiful fall day, nice and sunny, blue skies, warm temperatures, just a really, really nice day to be at the racetrack. It was, uh, was great to be a part of the, uh, South Carolina 400 Charlie Powell Memorial race, uh, weekend, the second part of it anyway. And it was great to see the Modifieds turn out. Um, I thought we'd have a few more. Kind of surprising some of the names that weren't there, and I'm not really sure why. But um, hopefully they will be out in full force to support the Smart Tour in 2021. But, uh, boy, the cars that were there put on an amazing show. I mean, it was really I thought uh, the best modified show of the uh, the one all of the smart tour races since the relaunch uh, this fall. I thought it was the best one of the year, and you know having a a couple of different uh, storylines to keep an eye on through the day too. Of course, Bobby Labonte, uh jumping in for John Smith, who was not able to be there for that weekend, uh, and doing such a great job going out, setting the track record and qualifying and uh, running such a great race with that car to finish in the top five. Um, That was a whole lot of fun. It was great to catch up with Bobby a little bit and, you know, just to see another side of his driving skill set because, you know, again, we're all used to seeing him in the uh, heavier stock cars. I thought he did an excellent job in the 25 car. It was fun to see him in the green machine over the weekend and uh, seeing Brandon Ward do such a great job. Um, in for Joey Coulter, who uh, had a, a situation and, and was not able to be in attendance uh, for the show at the last minute. 
So uh, it was great that uh, the team still came and uh, Brandon stepped in and again did an amazing job. That was just uh, that was just such a fun race to watch. Uh, it was great to have Max McLaughlin there. Unfortunately, he got taken out in the uh, lap one crash, uh, but it was great to see him there. So even though we didn't have you know a ton of cars, I mean I think it was fifteen or sixteen. Um, it was a very competitive field, a very competitive race, and uh, certainly think uh, all the modified folk had a whole lot of fun watching it and being a part of it. Uh, the drivers I talked to after the race and uh, a couple that I've talked to since, um, not a not a negative word anywhere in, in the conversations, and that's always a good thing. So I'm really excited about the potential of what the smart tour can be for 2021 and what that can bring to racing in the South, not just for modified enthusiasts, but period. Um, You know, again, I, I I don't know. I think they still need to put some structure in place and um, kind of decide who's doing what positions or whatever. You know, I, I I think there's still some uh, homework to do there amongst uh, the group to uh, put a structure in place for their organization. But uh, I, I think the potential is enormous. And uh, I really want to thank uh, Chris Williams and, uh, and everybody with the tour for uh, allowing me to be a part of it over the last uh, couple of months because it's been a blast. Uh, I love Modifieds. Anyone who's known me longer than 10 minutes knows that. And so... <laughs> It's just been um, a remarkable experience to see what can result. Really, the the group that that put on these shows really pulled them out of their butt. That's <laughs> there was no um, preseason plan. There really was no early season plan. Um, you know, you're throwing shows together in seven to ten days, and um, boy, there was some really good racing in those shows, and it really proved. Uh, what kind of a nucleus there exists in uh, modified racing here in the South. And that if, you know, if they could just put the organization together right and kind of get everybody working together as one and get the communication out there and keep it going and do the things they need to do, um, I really do believe that uh, the upside potential for the Smart Modified Tour is just enormous in this area, and I'm glad to see it back. So um, congratulations uh, to Brian Lofton for being a two-time winner this year, and really uh, bravo to everyone who uh, worked so hard to put on um, the shows that they did because it really was, uh, it's hard. It's hard to put on a race. I been there, done that way too many times. Uh, and it's, it's just very difficult to do that. It takes a lot of people and a lot of work and a lot of time. And, um, you know, again, just, uh, great to see that, um, we may have, um, hopefully we will have a very strong modified tour in 2021 uh with that being said we talk about what has happened up north in the nascar wheel and modified tour they've got their 21 schedule out already um martinsville speedway gonna lead it off 
which, again, how cool is that to have Modifieds back at Martinsville? I don't care if it's the Wheeling Tour or not. Um, just to have Modifieds back at Martinsville is going to be amazing. Thursday night, April the 8th, at Martinsville Speedway opens that tour. Um, they go to Stafford Motor Speedway, one of the traditional stops on the tour, on Saturday, uh, Sunday, April the 25th. That would be the Spring Sizzler, I believe. Um, May the 15th, the Wheel and Modified Tour goes to Riverhead uh, Speedway, Riverhead Raceway on Long Island, and they're actually going to be there three times this year. Um, the quarter-mile track has had 64 races since 1985, but uh, couldn't this year because of COVID. Um, so that'll be the first of the three stops on May the 15th. May the 29th, two weeks later, they're in Jennerstown, Pennsylvania. Again, one of my favorite tracks in all the country. Jennerstown Speedway, um, Saturday, May the 29th. That's a half mile, and they will pack them for that show uh, as long as fans are allowed to go. Saturday, June the 12th, the scheduled first of two shows this year at the Oswego Speedway, home of the Super Modifieds. Well, um, it's going to be the home of the Modifieds twice this year, which hasn't happened for a number of years. But June the 12th, um, Modifieds and Supers, that's it on the schedule. June the 12th, 150-lap event. Um, Let's hope New York is open by then. Uh, A week later, June 19th, right back to Riverhead, which I guess also would be in New York. So, um, And then uh, they have two shows in July, one on the 17th at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. That's always a great show. And one uh, on the 31st at New York International Raceway. For those of you who wonder what in the world is that, you might have heard it known as Lancaster Speedway over the years up in Lancaster, New York. It's off the... New York State Thruway, which is Interstate 90, for those of you not um, geographically initiated to uh, New York. Um, I think it's exit 49, actually. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an old speedway, been around for a long, long time. It's a great track. Uh, everything puts on a good show there. It's one of those tracks that it just seems like you can run almost anything, and it's a great race. So to see the tour go to Lancaster, or as they're now calling it, New York International Raceway, it's... Uh, that's pretty cool, and again, I hope that show can happen. Um, Friday, August the 6th, Stafford Motor Speedway for their second show of the year um, in Stafford Springs, Connecticut, uh, 150 laps. And then two weeks later, on Saturday, August 21st, the Beach Ridge Motor Speedway in Scarborough, Maine, a 200-lapper there. Um, and that's going to be the first tour race at Beach Ridge since 2005. It is a third mile. So um, that one's going to be one to key on because the shorter the track, the smaller the track, to me, the better the modified race. So that's going to be really fun to watch at Beach Ridge on August 21st. Saturday, September 4th, Labor Day weekend, scheduled to be back at the Oswego Speedway as part of Budweiser Classic Weekend there at the Fast Five Ace of a Mile in Oswego, New York, 150 laps for the Modifieds, and they will be joined by the NEMA Midgets and NEMA Lights as well as the Midwest Compact Tour Series that day. So a great variety of uh, divisions to watch on um 
Saturday, August the 4th at Oswego. The following Friday, just six days later, down here in the south, they come to Richmond Raceway for 150 laps. That one's going to be a lot of fun to watch as well. First time at Richmond in a number of years. Um, And then they go to Riverhead for the third and final time the following Saturday, September 18th. 200 laps there, and they conclude it all with uh, championship night, so to speak, at Stafford Motor Speedway on Sunday, September the 26th, 150 laps. So 14 shows on the Wheeling Modified Tour schedule and a lot of variety this year. I just, um, I am real excited about it. I I just hope and pray that everything is uh, amenable. Um, I worry about the New York stops because, again, it's, uh, you know, right now uh, not much being allowed to happen up there. Um, so I do worry about, uh, that to a point, hopefully things will get better so we can get the entire schedule in as it is written, but certainly, uh, should be, if, um, if it can happen, should be one of the most, uh, exciting wheel and modified tour seasons and one of the most unique seasons in, uh, tour history, I would say. So, um, aggressive schedule there. We'll try and uh, get you up to date on the full schedule for, the Smart Modified Tour, and uh, if Tri-Track has theirs out by then, um, we'll try to get all of that into our first show in January for the new year. Um, but uh, there you have it, the, uh, the the 2021 NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour schedule. And that uh, brings this show to a close. I want to, again, thank all of the listeners Um, and I want to just ask us all if I could, it is, uh, the week of Christmas and I just want us all to stop and kind of get some perspective this week. I mean, there's been a lot going on, obviously it's been a very tough year for all of us, uh, each in our own, uh, ways. And, uh, a lot of us are having to, uh, spend Christmas away from family and we're not the only ones, obviously. I want us to take some time to think about all of those who serve um, in our military and as you know, first responders and, and those who are, are on duty this weekend, uh, this week and weekend, and uh, through New Year's that, that won't uh, be able to see family and, and those that uh, fight for us and look after us every day. Uh, I'd just like us all if we could just to stop during our Christmas time uh, celebrations and just remember them and uh, say a prayer. If you're a praying person, say a prayer uh, for all of them, for their safety and uh, their well-being. And with that, I'm going to say have a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year, everybody. Please be safe. Look forward to coming back in January for a brand new season of shows mainly modified shows and of course remember that uh, this is not the only race chaser show uh we do five shows each week uh we try to we've kind of been a little bit uh erratic this uh, last month or two just because of um things that have come up that uh have necessitated our attention to make 21 the kind of year that we want to have Again, some great opportunities are coming. Can't wait to let all of you know about them. Um, Look forward to more regular content uh, as we get into 
this next year and hopefully we'll be able to go racing in a in a little more conventional way than we did uh this season and um again we'll get back together uh starting in january i think probably the middle part of january for this particular show but we'll um if we've got enough uh, news we'll certainly uh start it sooner but uh look forward to talking to you all on 21 thank you so much for um listening and again merry christmas and happy new year everybody my name is tom baker and look forward to next year. So long. You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit racechasermedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.